Hey everybody, Rayla Casey here with Matt Lieb. Welcome to the next episode of Graybeards on Storage podcast, a show where we get Graybeard storage bloggers to talk with system vendors and other experts to discuss upcoming products, technologies, and trends affecting the data center today. my pleasure to introduce James Duong, co-founder of Bitquill Technologies and senior staff developer at Bitquill and Dremio, and David Lee, Apache Aero PMC member and software engineer at Voltron Data. So why don't you two tell us a little bit about yourselves and what Apache Aero Flight is all about. Thanks, Ray. Uh, it's great to be here. So uh, as mentioned, so I am a PMC member for Apache Aero. That means I'm one of the maintainers. Uh, I can vote on decisions. I'm also a software engineer at Voltron Data, uh, which also contributes a lot towards the Arrow project. So uh, before we introduce Arrow Flight, I think we should introduce Apache Arrow first. So just to be brief, Apache Arrow is a in-memory format, uh, a cross-language standardized in-memory format for columnar data. Uh, it also comes with other things like IPC format for uh, serialization, and Arrow Flight, which is an RPC framework built on top of the in-memory format and IPC format. Uh, so Arrow Flight is an RPC framework. It's specialized for transferring uh, columnar data in Arrow format across the network. It's built on top of gRPC and protobuf. Uh, it is just a framework. It's included with many of the Arrow libraries. But of course, you need to take it and do interesting things with it. And one of the things recently is a project called uh, Flight SQL, uh, which I think James can introduce. Thanks, David. So yeah, um, as, as uh, previously mentioned, I'm James DeLong. I'm a senior staff developer at Bitquill Technologies and Dremio Corporation. Um, so a, a while back at Dremio Cor Corporation, we decided to introduce this layer on top of the AeroFlight project called Flight SQL which is a standardized way of accessing SQL databases through using the AeroFlight protocol and server framework. So Flight SQL has a, a single flight client, a single Flight SQL client that can connect to any Flight SQL server. And so um, maybe just, just yeah, I'm not a database expert and some of the storage guys are not necessarily, but they work with database experts all the time. What's the distinction between row-based data and columnar-based data? Sorry, I can't even pronounce the thing. Uh, one of you, all right, David, maybe? Yeah, so, well, I guess there, yeah, so databases, there are both row-based databases and columnar databases. It's really just how you shape the data. If you look at a table of data, do you, uh, when you flatten out, do you flatten out along the rows or along the columns? And each of those has trade-offs and advantages. Uh, Arrow focuses on columnar data because we think that has advantages uh, for data science. Uh, for instance, columnar data compresses better because uh, the values within a column are of the same type. Uh, and you can ah, okay. uh, introduce, uh, you can use different compression techniques, or even if you're just using a general purpose compression technique, that'll probably work better. Uh, right. If you're doing processing on the data, Calmer has advantages because 
uh, again, all of the data in a column is adjacent in memory now, and you can you can apply things like SIMD or vectorization to get a speed boost. Mm -hmm. Of course, row-based has its advantages too. Uh, if you're seeking through uh, data row by row, uh, Columnar is not necessarily going to be a good fit. Yeah. But for yeah. a lot of applications, we think Columnar has advantages. And the other thing you mentioned about Arrow was that it was an in-memory solution. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so so Wes McKinney, one of the co-founders of the project, when he when he introduces Arrow, he kind of likens it to breaking up the layers of a traditional analytic database so that you can use all of its components separately. Uh, so Arrow provides an in-memory format, which is basically if you have, say, a column of integers, how is that supposed to be laid out in memory? Mm -hmm. uh, but also once you have a column of integers and you have a few columns and you want to write that out to disk or transfer it over to the network, how should you serialize that data? Uh, how should you encode that data on the network? And actually uh, for Arrow, we also try to focus on avoiding encoding and copying as much as possible for efficiency. And speed and performance and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, you know, we talk a little bit from the storage side about uh, about in-memory advantages, um, and and particularly lately about the the inherent advantages of expanding that memory, leveraging Optane, for example. Uh, are there benefits to Arrow by by increasing the capacity of of what's available in memory? Yeah, so I'm not super familiar with Optane specifically, but one of the advantages, one of the properties that the Arrow uh, in-memory and file formats try to maintain is uh, being able to just memory map a file and start working with the data right away. So you can work with larger than memory data sets by just memory mapping an Arrow file uh, without having to load it all into memory, without having to decode it first. Mm -hmm. And so, uh... The, the challenges, of course, is that, you know, there's only so much memory in the world, even with Optane, maybe, I don't know, 64 terabytes per per uh, per server might be a reasonable uh, maximum or something like that. So if your Aero database uh, exists and it's, I don't know, let's say it's it's uh, a couple hundred terabytes, you you page that in and out of memory? Is that how it would work? I mean, just for an in-memory processing. We're not even starting to talk about flight yet, which is the other side of this coin. Sure. Right, yeah. So at that point, um, yeah, you you could start... How do, I, how do I want to say this? So columns don't have to be entirely contiguous in a sense. You can I break guess. up your columns into little chunks uh, called record batches. Hmm. Uh, inside a record batch, everything's contiguous. But uh, at a higher level, you can then stream or iterate through record batches and process those incrementally. So yeah, in a sense, you're paging data in and out. Uh, but this is accounted for in the file format, in the in-memory format, and so on. Mm -hmm. And when you say uh, a record batch, that would be all the columns for, let's say, the database across you know, a thousand records or however many would fit into uh, the record batch buffer or, or something like that? Or would it just be like column one, down to how much how much of column one actually fits into that record batch? 
Uh, it's a former. It's a uh, 2D, it's a rectangular chunk of data. Mm, okay. uh, all the columns, uh, all with the same number of rows. Okay. So where does, okay, so bringing, you know, hundreds of terabytes of data back and forth into memory and writing it out and stuff must be quite IO intensive. Where does Aeroflight, you know, how does Aeroflight and Aeroflight SQL uh, really improve that that sort of overhead? So it used to be, you know, you'd write out a, you'd write out something from a database. It moved from a database buffer to a memory cache buffer, and memory cache buffer to let's say a NIC, and then a NIC out to the to the storage, which had its own set of buffers and all that stuff. Right? I mean, those were the old days. Or maybe it's today. I don't know. So, what does Aeroflight bring to the table? Right. So, Aeroflight uh, basically tries to make all that more convenient and faster, especially if you're working with Aero data, or really only if you're working with Aero data. So, if you have Aero data in memory and you want to transfer it over the network uh, by using Aeroflight, you don't have to go implement all that yourself. You get these high-level methods that let you just say. I want to read the next record batch, or I want to write the next record batch. Uh, and Arrow will take your data, it'll punch through the layers of all the networking stuff it uses, gRPC and protobuf, to avoid copying data as much as possible, uh, get that onto the NIC, and get that across the network as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then and... Flight... Sorry. Go ahead. And then Flight SQL is taking those benefits and taking the benefits of Arrow and then trying to bring it towards uh, SQL databases. So I always thought SQL databases, James, I guess, <laughs> SQL databases were always uh, row-based and, and, and you, you'd sit there and you'd do like an if, you know, column X is, uh, you know, Matt Leib's social security number then uh, bump his pay raise by 10% or something like that. It was, you know, it was a row oriented, bring it in, do something with it and put it out kind of stuff. So how does, where does Flight SQL, how does Flight SQL work in a, in, with a column database? Well, Flight SQL provides the protocol for high performance transport by, by making the data sense in a, in a columnar format. Um, traditional traditional APIs like ODBC and JDBC mm -hmm. are row oriented. When you have a JDBC driver, uh, when you're accessing data from a select query, you get a result set interface, and you know what you do is you check if there's a row using result set next, and then you get values on that single row using, um, say, get object or get string on each column. Right. So one at a time. Um, if you're using Flight SQL now using flight sequels interface you could just get um you could get a single record record batch and pull out a, a vector representing a column for that batch and you could go through the stream getting record batches until you've got gotten all the data now if you're working with air now if your application layer is working with arrow data that's when you really get the benefits out of flight um you're already working with vectors that are that do not have to be deserialized. Yeah, you mentioned serialization and deserialization before. Um, can you explain to me what what that sort of process is, or what what that means in this in this sense? Yeah. So, say you have a JDBC driver. Well, JDBC has its own formats for integers, strings, um, and 
timestamps, for example. Mm -hmm. So when you build a JDBC driver, you have to convert from the database's wire format representation of those to JDBC's format. Potentially, the database also needs to convert from its own internal representation to the wire format as well. So you've got a transfer from the database to the wire format and from the wire format to JDBC yep. format. Whereas if you're using Aeroflight and say your database is working, it um, uses Aero internally, it's it's just moving data, copying data for, to the to the to the wire and then having the client not even not even deserialize the data, but just be able to operate it with it. Mm -hmm. So there's very little uh, format conversion requirements, unlike uh, ODBC and JDBC, which would require multiple format conversions across during the, the during the data transfer. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There was some mention of of uh, parallelization as part of Aeroflight. Could you explain how that plays out in this game? I can talk about this. So. Um, modern modern computing engines often support um, multi-node systems. Mo most systems are distributed nowadays. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're not talking multi-core. You're talking multi-server node, right? Multi-server, yeah. I'll, I'll use Dremio as an example. We have a corridor node, and then we have several executor nodes for processing a query. Uh, a coordinator mm -hmm. is planning, and then we delegate the work to executors. Um, and they, they individually process the query, execute the query plan. Um, what Aeroflight provides is a way to, as a response to a request, report each endpoint where the data is being served so that your client layer can then start consuming data at every single, at multiple different endpoints at once, potentially. Um, if your client itself is, is also distributed, you could have your client working with data on multiple nodes on its side as well. So each core is its own compute engine effectively. If I've got uh, parallel access to the data, can I have all the cores effectively working on their own uh, columns of, uh, or record batches separately, or they would have Within a server, I guess it's a it's it's a record batch that this server gets, and a record batch that some other server. So the the, the element of or the unit of granularity for parallelization is record batches. So I would say Arrow and Arrow Flight give you all the tools to parallelize and split things up, uh, what whichever way is the best for your application. Mm. Uh, for instance, so you can have multiple clients making requests to the same server. You can have one client making multiple requests to multiple servers. You can split data up. Uh, so there's a little detail here. So the Arrow Java and Arrow C++ libraries conceptualize things slightly differently, but effectively a record batch or a vector schema root is like a unit of data, yes, that you can uh, you can have each thread working independently on its own chunk of data uh, and process that and send it back over Aeroflight independently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Is there um, any specialized hardware in creating these Aero nodes? 
So Arrow as a in-memory format is intended to be hardware agnostic. It's intended to be designed in a way that it's efficient to implement, uh, but it's not tied to particular hardware. Uh, we have, for instance, Arrow, Arrow's uh, CI infrastructure tests Arrow on x86 machines, it tests Arrow on Max, it tests Arrow on an S390X from IBM, uh, and some PowerPC machines. So we have all sorts of Did you say mainframe? I just, I said (laughs) X390X, yeah. (laughs) Arrow, okay. And that, I, I guess the other side of this is this is all open source, right? I mean, it's uh, it's Apache uh, project, right? Yeah, uh, Arrow is under Apache Arrow is under the Apache umbrella. It's open source. We have contributors from many companies. We have contributors from all over the world. Uh, we have Arrow projects in all sorts of different languages. Uh, the Julia project uh, recently uh, got recently joined the main Arrow umbrella as well. So. Uh, we have lots of things that are supported, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the reason I, I really wanted you guys to come on the show was because it's uh, there's not a lot of high-performance access mechanisms or access protocols that, that exist out there, especially in the open source community. I mean, most of the, most of the high-performance access protocols are are either proprietary or, or uh, yeah, they're, you know, they're the POSIX based effectively. So you would have a POSIX client for, for vendor X and he'd have his own servers to support their own parallelization. Now, NFS is coming out with some parallelization in 4.2, I believe, but uh, this is something different. Um, I'm not trying to think what the question is here. <laughs> So do you have any performance statistics on, on what Aeroflight could potentially deliver as far as gigabytes per second or, or record batches per second, I guess, would be the other claim? Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the things that it occurs to me is that um, while the, the software side, which is where you're working, is highly dependent, um, uh, you know, it, it could be, who knows, line level uh, speeds but it's going to require fast networking. It's going to require, um, and, and all of these hardware functionalities are variables that that are going to be hard to to compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, agree. That is a that is a good point. Uh, so, I think I briefly mentioned Aeroflight uses gRPC underneath. Uh, gRPC is a RPC framework from Google. And it's been pretty well optimized for TCP communication. But recently, we're also looking at integrating the UCX uh, networking library into Aeroflight as well. Uh, because Aeroflight abstracts away the underlying uh, networking library is using. So UCX is a library that's designed to take advantage of specialized hardware, like InfiniBand interfaces. Oh, OK. Uh, we're hoping. Uh, the tests were conducted on a cluster that I can't disclose exact yeah, numbers yeah. from, oh, but uh, uh, UCX does quite well when it has access to uh, to specialized hardware. Mm-hmm. And this would be an infiniband solution. So let's talk about the hardware configuration here. Um, Aeroflight requires obviously client software sitting on the, the client and there's server software as well, sitting on some server someplace and then 
Behind that server would be uh, SSDs directly attached or disks directly attached, or, or do you support other storage systems behind that? Yeah, so think of Arrow and Aeroflight as more of a toolkit and a toolkit and a set of standards and protocols. Uh, so again, we're not trying to make particular requirements on the kind of hardware setup you have or anything like that. Uh, but basically, Aeroflight at the network level is a set of APIs based on gRPC. And then we also ship client and server libraries uh, client and server libraries that any application can use in a variety of different programming languages to build higher level things like, like Flight SQL on top of these libraries. Mm -hmm. uh, I see James has some uh, performance figures if you want to mention those. Yeah, please do, James. Yeah, so when we did some dressing of this at Dremio, we saw uh, throughput rates of 20 gigabytes per second without using Flight's parallelization features. Without flights parallelization. So you potentially could see 20 gigabytes per second per parallel transfer. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's pretty had, speedy. <laughs> yeah, if you had the hardware that could support it. And that's that's over Ethernet TCP, right? I mean, it's not, you don't require any special switching or anything like that, right? Right. Huh, huh, huh. I mean, and yet you did mention um, uh, InfiniBand. So is, is there some reliance on InfiniBand as a protocol? No. So once we have UCX fully integrated, we'll be able to take advantage of InfiniBand hardware if you have it. But if you don't, you can continue using gRPC and everything will just work over TCP. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned uh, IPC as well as a pro uh, another protocol that you use. Um, Maybe just for my own edification, can you tell me the distinction between IPC and GPRC? Yeah, so we have the arrow in memory format. That's just how the data gets laid out in RAM. Mm -hmm. uh, if we want to serialize it and then send it to another process or write it to disk or something, that's when you use the IPC format. IPC format basically specifies how you pack the buffers on the wire, uh, the message headers, stuff like that. That all gets sent over gRPC. gRPC is a RPC framework from Google and the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. Uh, it handles all the networking details. So that's where the, those are like the three layers here. In oh, OK, cloud. I got you. They're not like alternate layers or alternate. They're, they, they all combine to support the, the transfers and that sort of stuff. So where do you, where do you see uh, in-memory databases being used these days, the columnar, columnar in-memory databases being used? I mean, what sort of uh, clients or customers would be, and what would they be doing with them? So I'd say in-memory databases are really good at doing batch analytics, um, dealing with large fact tables and, and being able to produce meaningful data using BI tools. Mm -hmm. And and you don't see that um, uh, being applicable to things like um, machine learning or anything of that nature? I can see this being used in, in machine learning. Um, one, of the, one of the big use cases for Arrow is to be able to 
efficiently process data through um, efficiently process data in using Spark, ah. uh, be able to load data into Spark, uh, arrow data into Spark without serialization. Right, right, uh, right. Normally, when you work with Spark jobs, you ought to write a Python script and then you, you send you, you send the work to a JVM that processes it. But if you're using Arrow, um, there's no serialization required to go from the Python data to the JVM data because it's just Arrow data. Right. Yeah, that's a good example. So I guess think of Arrow as kind of like a bridge between all these different systems. So Spark uses Arrow to implement its Python user-defined functions. Uh, and other systems like uh, BigQuery and Snowflake also use uh, Arrow to transfer data at different points. Uh, I think in the client libraries in these cases. Uh, Kafka could be a potential solution here as well, or I know Kafka has some Spark support. Uh, I can't say, I can't, I don't think off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone combining Kafka and Arrow per se, but mm -hmm. no, there's no reason stopping you if you, you need to get Polymer data from point A to point B. Right, right, right. So what about um, high availability and those sorts of things? I mean, the, the, uh, yeah, in-memory data is, is great, and, and, uh, but you know, fault tolerance and that sort of thing are, somewhat, uh, are sometimes uh, required uh, attributes of, uh, especially databases, quite frankly, because they become so critical to BI and, and other uh, critical corporate uh, functionality. Does Aeroflight offer high availability, or is that something you you just kind of configure it with? So ultimately, that's up to the application being built on top. But um, Aeroflight does provide uh, does provide things to try to uh, to make it easier to implement reliable applications. So again, because we're building on top of gRPC. That means we inherit a lot of the tooling. gRPC is its own like rich ecosystem. So Aeroflight building on top of that means we inherit all the tooling, all the best practices that have been built up uh, on top of gRPC over the years. Uh, all the observability, monitoring, and logging tooling, uh, all of the knowledge of how to debug things, all of that still applies to Aeroflight because it is gRPC underneath. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you get you get the advantage of GPRC and that sort of stuff. Uh, I'd uh, like but... to I'd like to mention that uh, Aeroflight's ability to report multiple endpoints can be used for data redundancy as well. So if say one of the nodes where one of the, one of the endpoints has gone down with that has source data, you could go to another one. Right, if you've got a copy of it uh, at, at that other endpoint. Mm -hmm. I see. That's I see. interesting. We we think. And, and forgive me if I'm making too much assumption, Ray, uh, but but it seems as if you and I are thinking in terms of how hardware might resolve a lot of these issues. But right. but ultimately, with a database language or or a file format, we're really looking here at how those problems are actually resolved by software. Mm. Mm. Um, so you know, split brain taking place. That's a, a transaction that doesn't necessarily compete. And is there a cache coherency from site to site? And you're saying that's not really a function of error. That's really a function of the, the application uh, overriding architecture that 
that actually handles the transactions. Would that be a correct statement? Yeah, that's correct. I, I got you. I got you. But you mentioned that it, you could automatically replicate or, or mirror um, Aeroflight uh, data onto different storage servers if I'm using the correct terminology. Just by configuration, yeah. configuring it that way, I guess. Uh, kind of. So, <laughs> flight. Well, sorry. So, I guess there's al there's always more layers to peel back here, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, flight just defines a protocol and some RPC methods that you can use to build things like that, and it kind of it kind of tries to be suggestive and corral you into doing stuff like that. So, uh. For instance, when you're requesting data from a flight service, the recommended pattern is that you make first a metadata call called get flight info. And that tells you uh, that tells you where this data set can be fetched from and how it's partitioned. And as James mentioned, uh, alternative endpoints that you can fetch data from right, if right. the primary endpoint is down. And as long as your application implements that, as long as your client implements that, then yeah, you can build in redundancy. Uh, you can build in parallelism. It's still up to your application to actually implement those details, right. but Flyit tries to encourage you to do that and make it easy for you to do that. Right, right, right. The other challenge that open source has had historically is is operations or configurations and that sort of stuff. It's been always I would say open source is typically developed by technical development teams and, and, and they're not necessarily usability teams associated with that. How hard is it to configure and, and uh, make use of something like Arrow and Aeroflight and Aeroflight SQL? That's something that the community is actively working on, I would say. So we've been trying to improve the documentation uh, especially in languages like Java. We've been trying to, we recently started a Arrow cookbook initiative uh, to try to, pro to provide these simple reusable recipes for accomplishing common tasks with the Arrow libraries. Um, now this is maybe a common cop-out of open source projects, but if, if, you, if there's something that's not clear, if there's something that you want improved please let us know. Right. Uh, at least for me, because I've been in the project for a few years now, it can be hard to see where things are confusing or unclear. Yeah. So having these questions, uh, having these questions really helps me as a contributor know where to focus my efforts, uh, know where we need to be, know where we need to focus, uh, explain more, basically. Right. That's a very valid point. You know, um, the forest for the trees conversation. Um, but the, the difficulty with open source in general has always been a lack of support. Um, because Which is the other side of this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine that community support, though, is, is quite robust in a project of this magnitude. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, I guess there are, there are a couple ways to approach it. So Dremio, from as, as far as I can see, is actually fairly active in the project itself. Uh, and one of Dremio's co-founders was also co-founder at the Arrow project. But also, yeah, 
I and many of the other contributors do our best to monitor Stack Overflow, our mailing lists, GitHub issues, all that to try to provide support as best we can. And maybe that's not, uh, of course, that's not guaranteed, but uh, I think we, we try our best to address everyone's questions. Uh, nobody's denying that. Um, right. I, I think that, you know, the, the historic need has, 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 has been, you know, finding a community of, of practitioners who actually understand the product and, and actually understand the, the avenue that the end user is attempting to go through to resolve these questions, et cetera. Um, in my mind, um, you know, when you've got uh, a product of this significance, you've, you've more than likely got people that have faced similar issues in the past and can set you into a, a decent direction uh, in terms of uh, even if it's ad hoc support. So, right. I, you know, I, I think that we're not seeing the same issues we used to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. The I think the arrow community has grown. The arrow community has grown a lot. Is still growing. So, uh, yeah, there is there is a fairly active community around it now, uh, across all these different languages, and of course, there's also commercial support. But that's always an option. Oh, and there is commercial support for arrow and arrow flight. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, it's through my employer, Voltron Data. So I. Uh, okay. I won't speak too much, but it's also an option. Right. Well, that's good. That's I was kind of, we were kind of looking, we were probing to see if that was a, as a, as available as an option. And, uh, and and that's good. I mean, obviously, yes. If you are a modern institution, a banking institution, you're relying on on the data and the accessibility in the long term. You want to know if you can gain greater levels of support and obviously you can't mm-hmm. can you guys uh, speak to some of uh let's say some of your bigger installations you don't have to actually name the company but might talk about you know what they're doing from a vertical perspective uh with aero aero flight and perhaps aero flight sequel uh well dremio is the obvious candidate here james right so um Dremio is just getting ready, uh, has, has recently made Dremio Cloud available. And with Dremio Cloud comes uh, support for Aeroflight through through um, through a centralized service now. So, so that's one of, the, one of the big changes. We, we adopted Aeroflight in, into the Dremio, into the Dremio Enterprise Edition about a couple of years ago. Um, so we, we added support for Aeroflight on its own and then started the initiative to do Flight SQL. Um, we're currently we're currently building up Flight SQL support. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us just a little bit about Dromeo as a company, what you guys are doing? Because I, I tell you the truth, I've heard about them, but I don't know exactly what you're doing. Well, Dromeo is is a, a query engine for accessing data lakes efficiently um, and executing SQL using an, an arrow-based execution engine. So we, we take advantage of advantages of the feature that features that uh, David's mentioned, like being able to do vectorized computations on data for the purpose of processing SQL. Um, 
as well as as well exposing data to users using using Aeroflight. Um, so Dremio can connect to a lot of different sources, including you know Azure Data Lake, Amazon S3, um, uh, and Google Google Compute Storage. Um, right. So data lakes, as well as more traditional sources like relational databases such as SQL Server, uh, Postgres, or or um, Redshift, for example. Yeah. Yeah, MySQL is included. Uh, yeah. Oracle as well. <laughs> yeah. Oracle as well. Yep. Yeah. That's the first mention we've had thus far, and it had occurred to me. Um, but if you've got raw data sitting in an Oracle database, there, it seems logical that there be a uh, an interpreter of that data into Arrow. So what Jarmilo does is it provides a, a connector based on JDBC to suck data in from a traditional database and then get into Arrow format so that Jarmilo could work with it. Um, it, it. It tries to push as much work as possible down to the down to the backend database, though. So. Right. 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 You mentioned vectorization, and I would assume that because having this data sitting in, you know, column or format, sitting in memory, uh, vector operations would be useful, very useful here. So, I mean, are you using things like GPUs to do those sorts of things, or is this something that you're using, uh, I'll call it vector instructions of like x86, et cetera? So we use a component of Arrow that um, was developed at Dremel called Gandiva. I'm sorry, Gandiva. Um, yeah, so Dremio is a Java is a Java-based server, and we use Gandiva to be able to access some of Arrow's more lower-level features, uh, including its uh, SIMD operations. Single instruction, multiple data operations. Right. I just want to translate from our. Uh, so this this is vectorization, but I mean vectorization could occur at the CPU level. It could occur in a GPU. It could occur in an FPGA. Uh, am I assuming that you're using primarily uh, the SIMD instruction sets for the CPUs that you're operating on? I'm actually not sure about the answer to that. David, would you know? Uh, this is kind of abstracted from me. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. Uh, so Gandiva is based on the LLVM compiler framework. As far as I know, it targets CPUs mostly. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting thing there is Gandiva is written in C++, uh, even though much of Dremio uses Java. Uh, but because Arrow is a standardized memory layout, those two languages can share data between them without having to copy it all. Uh, they can just pass pointers around. So that's a big advantage of Arrow here, uh, that a JVM-based system can take full advantage of native, uh, native C, C++ capabilities. Right. Uh, but you mentioned GPUs and FPGAs, and I want to say, so the NVIDIA Rapids ecosystem has a library called QDF, which implements data frame operations using the Arrow memory layout on GPUs. So we we do see Arrow usage with, with GPUs as well. And the name escapes me at the moment, but there is also a project that uh, works with FPGAs in Arrow. Um, you can take, basically you can give it an Arrow schema Right. Uh, basically the data types, and it'll generate, uh, I think, VHDL or Verilog to work with that data uh, on an FPGA. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you can get an arrow schema to this process 
and it'll generate the hardware design language to, to program an FPGA to process it? Is that what you're saying? Yes, you still have to bring your own, you still have to write the actual processing part, but it will generate, yeah, it's the, called Fletcher. The interfaces or something like that? It'll that generate all the interfaces for you, yeah. So you don't have, it, it reduces the amount of work you have to do to program the FPGA. So yeah, again, yeah, that's yeah, called yeah. Fletcher, if you want to look at it. Fletcher, okay. Uh, yes, or, oops. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of arrow-based puns. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, this has been great. David and James, any last questions for Matt and myself? Or is there something you wanted to say to our listening audience is probably the better thing. <laughs> well, uh, as trying to as trying to represent the open source project here, if you want to get involved, please uh, reach out on the mailing list, dev at arrow.apache.org, or you can send uh GitHub issues or pull requests at uh, on GitHub at Apache slash Arrow. Okay, great. Um, Matt, anything you'd like to ask uh, before we leave? No, no questions. But uh, uh, I just want to thank you guys. This is a very interesting um, project you're working on, and, and I learned a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this has been great, David and James. Thank you for being on our show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That's it for now. Bye, David. Bye, James. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Matt. Until next time. Next time, we will talk to another system storage technology person. Any questions you want us to ask, please let us know. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends about it. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as this will help get the word out. <laughs>